You're listening to the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast, creating community to foster joy and well-being. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today. We are going to talk to Alex Hill, who's the Director of Quality Management, a registered nurse and a Doctor of Nursing Practice candidate at Virginia Commonwealth University as well as Laura Kitchens, a nurse practitioner with Mid-Atlantic Long-Term Care for Enhanced Services and the Hoy Center at Westminster Canterbury Campus. And today we're going to talk about marijuana, cannabis. Yep. That's pretty exciting. I mean, for people my age, I guess, but I guess the seniors are very excited about it too. It's exciting for everybody. I mean, uh, older adults are more likely than any other age group to consume cannabis and that's only going to continue to you know grow as it becomes legal uh, or you know more widely it's already illegal but um you know more widely accepted as you know baby boomers get older things like that so it is very exciting so go ahead and start sharing a little bit about um the information you've pulled for us today oh gosh <laughs> where do we start laura <laughs> let's start with the basics of what people think of when they think of marijuana. They think of a recreational drug, but it's a lot more than that, right? 100%. So you hear cannabis, you hear marijuana, you think recreational, it's illegal, can't touch it, or maybe I did that when I was in high school and, you know, can't talk about it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, But it's far, far more than that. Um, You know, CBD is on the rise and there are over 100, if not close to 200 or more different cannabinoids, they call it. That's kind of a an odd word that's not really, you know, public because it, you know, everything is so stigmatized as pot or weed or uh, marijuana. Um, But there, you know, there's far more than that. And it's, it is whole plant medicine that has health benefits, quality of life benefits. Sure, it can be used recreationally, but it can certainly be used a lot more. And I believe that's all the way from the root to the tip of leaves. You can use every part of the plant for different things. 100%. Yeah, not just for consumption, but for clothing, you know, all kinds of things. Back, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a history buff, so don't quote me here. But at some point in, like, I believe the 1600s, Virginia citizens were required to grow hemp um, as a part of, like, the war efforts and, you know, different things like that. So, yeah, it has a lot of uses. And now fast forward to today, a lot of states are now legalizing it. What drives that push to legalize it, do you think? So, and to give a little bit of basis to what you, you know, said, all but two states have some form of legalization, whether it's medical, you know, recreational or, or both. But I think the, the, the push to, to legalize, I mean, this is going to be a fun fact, my fun fact for today, um, that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has a patent on cannabis for neuroprotection and antioxidant properties. There is a patent since 1998. Um, and, you know, there's a lot um, that went into how and why it became illegal. Um, there was a brief time during, I think, World War II where it like was temporarily lifted and then put back on for various reasons. But if there's something, you know, that you can grow in your backyard that can help you, then why would we, you know, how are we going to be able to prescribe all these drugs? How are we going to be able to take more medicine and get more medical care and have more chronic conditions if we could there's something like this? you know, can help. There's reasons I think that that barrier was probably put into place at one point in time. What are some medical benefits specifically for seniors? How long do we have to talk? <laughs> as long <laughs> as you mean. Like, give me like your top five 
benefits of, you know, seniors using cannabis? Well, some of the most, I guess, and Laura, feel free to jump in at any time. Um, but, you know, some of the most common reasons to, you know, use it medicinally, chronic pain, nausea, um, there, I mean, there, the list goes on and on. I mean, cannabis works with your endocannabinoid system within your, within your body that touches every single body system. So there, you know, there's a benefit, um, you know, almost no matter what direction that you go, but pain is obviously a really big one. I don't know if you've had requests, Laura, or, um, interest for other reasons. Most of our residents that are using it right now, we've been using it as for dementia, for anxiety, for behaviors that they haven't responded to traditional medicine. So they're not responding to the antipsychotics and the family's frustrated and they're looking for something. And I've been really excited about it because it is something that's natural that, you know, has less side effects than a lot of these antipsychotics that have actual black box warnings on them. Yes. So, you know, Know, it's nice to use something that is a, a more natural product. So we've been using it with a couple of our patients um, that have behaviors, and we've seen really an improvement in their anxiety. They're more manageable, redirectable. So been really excited about that. Also with nausea, we you know we've had some folks that nothing worked. All the traditional antiemetics did not work for them. So you know you being able to take something natural and be able to eat again has been a huge win. Do we have any? like Parkinson's that are trying it or cancer. I've read a lot about Parkinson's patients and cannabis, how good it is for their shaking and really like calms their system down a bit. So I don't have anyone on park with um, Parkinson's that's using it currently, but definitely some cancer patients we've had come through that are using it. And there's a lot of, like you said, documented benefits too that, you know, we just haven't come across that situation here on campus. Um, But the things that we are recommending, you know, I think it's important to emphasize that they are, it's not medical marijuana. It's um, products that are legal under the the Hemp Farm Act of 2018. So it has less than 0.3% THC, which is the, you know, legal limit to be able to use these things and purchase these things over the counter without needing a medical certification or having a, you know, a medical card. We're not having anyone um, smoking it. We have edibles um, or I think at one point someone was using like a topical tincture and, you know, those have been, um, you know, helpful. I was going to ask, that was my next question is in my head, I'm thinking of some of our dementia patients like sitting around with a joint in their hand, but I'm sure that's not the case. So my next question was, um, how do you distribute this? Is it when we say edibles, do you mean like a chocolate chip cookie with some like CBD in it? Or are we like talking like capsules or how are our residents receiving such things? I mean, there's all sorts of options out there. Um, I, you know, I'll let Laura speak to what our current residents are using right now. Um, but I mean, more, more and more products are coming onto the market all the time of, like you said, cookies and cakes and you know, ver- various things. But I think the the approach that we take from a medical model perspective, because this is not for recreational purposes, this is for like a target either behavior or you know, symptom that we're taking a careful look at the dose the cannabinoid and like how that affects whatever, you know, our goal, or our aim is and, um, you know, monitoring to see if it's working. But I'd say nine times out of 10, it's been like gummies, right? Gummies, capsules, and we have a couple of the tinctures that like are the just drops. doing the drops. Yeah. yeah. And that seems to be the best because, you know, the folks that we're giving it to, 
someone is administering the medication to them. So we want to make sure we're using the right dose and they're getting the right amount. So it's been easier to use like the capsules, mm-hmm. although I feel like the tincture from what I've read is always better. They say for absorption. Um, so we might consider looking at that for some other people. It's just harder to measure it. And so now the, when they take these, this isn't enough to get them high. Oh, and I think that's something you, that's a really, really great point. So there are cannabinoids that are considered psychoactive and then non-psychoactive. So um, CBD, for example, you're not going to feel high. Um, you know, it's, you're going to get the benefits um, without that risk. But there certainly are um, plenty of products available over the counter and that are legal that can give you that euphoric effect um, based on the, you know, the receptor that it binds with in your, in your body. The stuff that you're giving your patients, is this stuff that's produced by Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline or is it, you know, you're going down to local head shop? So our folks that are here that are on it, um, they're getting it, most of them are getting it from New Leaf. New Leaf is one that's, you can order it online um, because we do want them to use, you know, good products. We don't want them just to be going, like you said, to the local vape store and picking up, um, you know, CBD. So our folks that are on CBD are on good products. And unfortunately, they are expensive. I mean, considering if they're on a fixed income, we have folks that are paying $100 a month for their CBD. Now you have to consider, are you able to eliminate other drugs and other costs? So it could really save you if you're eliminating, you know, other drugs. Do you have to have a medical license to get medications like this? No. So a lot of what we're, you know, that we've been discussing thus far and what we're able to, you know, share real life examples of, you know, these are things that are available over the counter. And and that's really the premise of getting more, you know, open and having more open communication about it. Because you can go into a lot of stores now and like uh, Laura said, pick up Charlotte's Web or pick up this or that, but no, no real detrimental effects. But if you, if you have a goal in mind, I mean, you know, cannabis is medicine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get a provider involved, ask questions about it. But the, there, I mean, that's a barrier in and of itself, because a lot of providers aren't comfortable or they're concerned or they can assume it's already, you know, illegal. And a challenge that we really face in healthcare, especially in the the setting that we are in now, is in the state of Virginia, cannabis is legal for adult use. It's legal for medical use. And so there's a lot of people, you know, maybe I'm sure everyone in this room knows at least one, if not a handful, if not more, you know, people who consume for one reason or another. Well, eventually, you know, they may want to move to a great life plan community such as Westminster. And that's something that's been a part of their medication regimen or their health regimen for a long time. And then come to assisted living. Well, Virginia state code for assisted living requires assisted living facilities to be what's called designated caregivers, meaning that they're protected under law to be able to help someone procure their medical marijuana, to fill it, to help them, you know, say if they if their chosen method was smoking, to, you know, help them do that, you know, whatever the case may be. But the minute that someone crosses the doors over into a healthcare center or a skilled nursing center, that is funded by CMS, mm-hmm. which that's that's a federal entity, and unfortunately, We're cannabis is still a yet. yeah <laughs> yeah. So cannabis is still a Schedule One drug under the Controlled Substance Act at the federal level, and. And all of the, the products that we're using right now do not fall under that. But because of 
lack of knowledge, stigmatization, concern over legal recourse, things like that, even like CBD sometimes, and, and not with our the case with our providers here, but just generally the instant reaction is no. Like I think it, I'll never forget the one of the first residents that we trialed with, um, I no less than three times got a call from a nurse saying, Alex, I can't give this. This <laughs> we're not counting it. What do I do? And it, it we did educate, you know, it, but still then a new nurse would come along and be like, oh my gosh, I can't give this. What am I doing? Am I going to get in trouble? And it's like, no, you're using something that is available over the counter, 100% legal. You have a valid order from Laura, the resident's primary care provider. The Just like any other medication, it tells you what it is they're taking, why they're taking it, how much to give them, you know, things like that. Like you, you're 100% in your right as a nurse. Now, if we tried to um, hand a nurse in healthcare, you know, actual medical marijuana, that'd be a different story. But we're, you know, we, not just Westminster, but we as a you know nation aren't quite there yet. So we're, you know, we're, we need to be prepared. Um, cause it's just going to continue to grow. Have you had any issues, or I guess not issues, but just um, difficulty getting residents on board with this idea? Are any residents just like dead set against it? I would never do that. So we've had some families that are like, as soon as you bring it up, they're like, of course, it's marijuana. They just put the you know stop sign up. No, we're not going to even consider it. And then we have to do a lot of education. So it does take a lot of time having to explain to them, you know, what we're recommending does not have THC in it, or it has a very, very low dose of THC. So, you know, will you consider it? So I've had a few families that were like, absolutely not. And then I've had some families that are like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. They'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like all on board for it. So I think it's mainly education for the families because not a lot of people know about it. They don't know. They know the benefits and they assume that it's marijuana. So it's we're just trying to get their loved one high. No, that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to, you know, help them for whatever symptom that we're, you know, hoping to treat. So I think as time goes on and it becomes more accepted, I think we probably will have more buy in from our residents and their families. But it's going to take a little bit of time and definitely some education and education for those involved caring for the residents as well. Um, but there's been many a time where the, you know, Laura or Stephanie aren't necessarily the ones recommending it to the family or the resident. They're saying, hey, I want to use this. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's starting to become more common and I think is going to continue to, you know, increase. Yes, especially if the resident is saying, you know, I saw Dr. Laura and she gave me you know, this medical cannabis that made me feel so much better. I feel like that just word of mouth would also help with patients and and residents. Mm -hmm. I know we have a side topic. I know we have a resident who's got a cat named Cheech and he used to have one named Chong. Oh, they're real cute. Well, we're cat people, so that's like music to our ears. (laughs) What a name and a cat. That's perfect. (laughs) He's a handsome boy. (laughs) So now, residents, patients who, are they able to take cannabis that does have THC in it? And does that have any medical benefits to it? Medical benefits? Absolutely. 100%. We currently don't have any residents who have a, a certification for that. Currently, everything has been, you know, the the over-the-counter or like available products and other methods um but it's a um you know it's 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 going to be coming 
<laughs> what is the federal law on medical marijuana? I know it's Schedule One for recreational, but do they have any statutes on? So every uh, state's a little bit different. Is it simply regulated by the state, or does the federal government have say in it? So federal government always trumps state, unfortunately, and so um, even. Even though there is a medical program in Virginia, there's medical programs in, you know, almost every state but two have a, you know, some form of medical program. They're all unique in their own, you know, own way. Um, but federal law has yet to catch up. And that's where it, that's where it gets um, sticky. So how supportive is the administration of our campus with this kind of thing? very supportive. So my my dissertation for my doctorate is about this topic and it's 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 a odd thing for a director of quality with regulatory compliance experience to be like let's get cannabis on the campus <laughs> like let's give everyone cbd let's you know let's talk about it it's like your generation they're like this young hippie comes in here <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but i mean one thing that's you know i think really great about westminster canterbury is very supportive of innovation um very understanding of the the the, the need i mean there there is a need like i mentioned at the beginning that you know this population is more likely than any other to use it and they can benefit from it the most so the fact that our executive leadership is is supportive of carrying this project out and it's still early we've got a, a year um, to you know, work through, and as you as we've talked about, there's we're already recommending it in actual life. But you know, the end goal is to have education for the entire campus, have education for our staff, um, have uh, reliable, trusted products ready to go, so that we don't have to ask the family member, ask the resident themselves. You know, go to this website, order it, bring it to us, do all that stuff, and then being able to share that with other communities and 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 show like this is okay we can overcome these barriers we can break down these stigmas and we can see the benefits now you guys obviously are very passionate about this and, and it seems like public opinion is shifting on 100 percent, even, even recreationally is there like a lobbying campaign going on for this that you're like Oh, so many. There's, there's, uh, I'm sure there's, there are, there's like, 23 are, bills um, at least. I mean, I don't know what the current count is now, but at, at last check, there was well over 20 active for one reason or another. A lot of them are to deschedule. You know, some are to be able to support small businesses and growers of hemp and, you know, designers of these products to be able to, you know, do so safely. A lot of it is around banking. You know, some of it is around like resident rights, patient rights, should they choose to consume. There's like any other, I guess, like, political issue there's always you know two sides <laughs> and um but there's overwhelming support and the the biggest barrier to all of it i think just always comes down to knowledge both for someone who's interested and someone who's not interested um or who is not in support or supports it very much is you know um understanding the 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 full scope and not automatically defaulting to this is pot, it's going to get me high, it's illegal. Um, but here are the, like, we've just briefly touched on a few success stories just right here that we've seen. And that's not even in like a big scientific clinical trial, you know. Um, but those are out there. And I mean, that that's a barrier too. I mean, research for the older adult population lacks as it is. But research, especially related to this topic, is, is not as... Uh, available as other things, but because of the concern of the potential legal ramifications. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I mean, the U.S. has the patent. 
yeah. it is there. So now, what exactly are the biggest benefits? I know there's millions, but like reduction in pain? Pain, anxiety, helps with um, insomnia, so helping them relax. We don't have to put them on sleeping pills so they can sleep. Um, appetite stimulant, nausea, helping them with that. Arthritis, it's a great anti-inflammatory, so if you have arthritis, it can help you with that. I see here that it says it was used for, um, like, Alzheimer's disease, so is it good for your memory or... Um being less confused. I know during the, the day I run into a couple of residents in the hall seem a little confused. Yeah, and <laughs> there's a few cannabinoids that have, um, well, a lot of them really uh, have neuroprotective mm -hmm. properties. And yes, absolutely. Um, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, 19 states currently, that is one of the qualifying conditions for actual medical marijuana is Alzheimer's. So what would be the benefit of recreationally doing cannabis versus drinking every night. I would definitely rather a patient use cannabis over drinking just because drinking has so many bad side effects for your health. Mainly, you know, it really affects your your ability, your balance. Um, you know, it hurts your liver. It ends up having, you know, worse side effects with drinking. So I would rather interacts see... with your medicine. Yeah, interacts with more meds. I mean, it definitely, it would be much better if our residents would use cannabis. And even emotionally, uh, I would say doing cannabis would emotionally make you feel better than drinking a glass of or right. a bottle. Right, alcohol is a depressant, so it doesn't elevate your mood for long. You feel good for a little bit, but then there's always that dip afterwards. I can see it now, the WC Hemp Garden. <laughs> the Bud and Bloom Room is what Tori and I have been calling it. Oh, I love that. Bloom Room. <laughs> That's I great. love that. So good. Now... Are there any downsides? Always. I mean, everything has everything right. has a downside. It's it's a medication just like anything else. So I mean, there are drug interactions that you have to be careful of. Some things again have that euphoric property, which for some is a benefit, but for others in other situations, maybe not a good idea. They rather stay on the ground. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, of course, the like you said, it's not necessarily something that's been covered by your insurance, or the there. The, of course, there's always um, you know downsides, but that's where like harm reduction and the medical model come into play. Of talk to a nurse practitioner, talk to someone who is knowledgeable about the the topic, get your doctor involved. You know, do your, do your research. Don't just go to Seven Eleven and pick it up because you <laughs> saw it on the Today Show. <laughs> I think that you hit it. I mean, really the interactions, especially like with the blood thinners, that's been our biggest roadblock. And unfortunately, a lot of the elderly are on blood thinners and there's some that don't work well with um, CBD. So we just have to be aware. Just do a good med review. Now, another stigma that things that are associated with street drugs have is that they are addictive, become dependent. CBD, you don't become dependent on? No, and uh, this is like kind of in the same vein, but like I've been asked on at least two different occasions personally, can I overdose on this? Can I, will I stop breathing? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that the, you know, the endocannabinoid system touches every every system within the body, but the, the receptors that bind with cannabinoids are not in your brainstem, if that makes sense. And that's what controls your breathing. That's what controls your, you know, your lungs. So it is, it is physically impossible to overdose on cannabis or any related product. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read a study that said not a single person has been documented to 
have died from cannabis. Yeah, it's literally not possible, but yet we um, we see residents every day who are taking drugs that, you know, keep that Narcan pen nearby, or, you know, here's a black box warning, here's something, you know, like everything has a side effects, like we mentioned, as does, you know, cannabis and CBD, but not to the same, I guess, like detrimental level that our pharmaceuticals can have. Yeah, because I mean, the pharmaceuticals have so many chemicals in them and um, it treats one thing and then you get 10 other potential side effects and 20 other, you know, medications that you can't take now (laughs) because you're taking that medicine. It just seems like the the national conscious is moving towards looking outside the box for drugs. For instance, I was reading an article maybe a month ago about, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm just going to say magic mushrooms (laughs) for PTSD. Psychedelics, yes. Like it reprogrammed their brain. I'm not exactly sure the mechanics of it, but do you think growing the national conscious on medical cannabis will open doors elsewhere? Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, it's just, I know I probably sound like a broken record, but (laughs) understanding that there's more to just the reefer madness. Um, that there, like you said, it's going to open, it has and is, and will continue to, to open more doors. So Abby, earlier you asked about how does the, the team here at Westminster, like what is the support? Of course, part of this journey is getting feedback from all stakeholders, not just our executive team, but our residents, our staff, our, you know, those who are, you know, interested in other avenues, but it, in that being able to open up the door for, for, for more. And that doesn't mean that tomorrow we're going to be, you know, giving psilocybin to, you know, to <laughs> no. folks. But again, I think it's just really like magical that we're sitting here having this, this conversation when some aren't even comfortable even talking about it, much less saying like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying. Well, I think we should have like a, like the WC forum day, have you guys come in and do a, a talk to the independent living residents and just Give them that preparation for when you are ready to take this step. Here's all the information you need to know, and it's safe. And, you know, there's so many outlets here at WC that have your back in the case of something going wrong. You know, everybody's here and supportive. And um, I think that this will be great for the future of WC and the health of our residents. Yes, quality of life. But just knowing the medical benefits of it and the different ways you can get it over the counter is just informative. Actually, my grandfather has um, type 4 Parkinson's. And so this is something we've kind of talked with him about in our family. And he's dead against it. But, you know, we've done so much research. I think it would be so beneficial. So I feel like this has been very informative, at least to me personally. And that's, you bring, like, when you just said stage four Parkinson's, it made me think that there's a lot out there right now with autism, like for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the benefits that are being, you know, seen with that of people saying, you know, my child's nonverbal or his behaviors can't be managed or whatever the situation may be, nothing's working or I'm not comfortable with this drug. And then they're trying CBD, they're trying oil, they're, you know, trying different things and seeing huge... um, you know, a huge difference. And right now there is a NIH double blind study. It's actually placebo versus cannabis for autism. And so I'm like anxiously awaiting to see what happens. Keep me posted on yeah. that. It's interesting. Yeah. My daughter has like ADHD as most of us do. Um, and I've considered like medications, but there's so many chemicals and she's nine. And, but I did read something about like ADHD and cannabis and was like, THCV. 
That's exactly what I read. And I just, uh, you know, like, find this really informative. It's it's given me so much insight. Wait a minute. What's THCV? That's one of the, so like, one of the cannabinoids. So, like, THC and CBD are the most common, but there's... CBG, CBN, THCA, THCV. I mean, the it's alphabet soup. And if you even ask me to pronounce the the you know <laughs> what that abbreviation stands for, it, it'd be here all day. It'd be pretty <laughs> embarrassing. But um, and those are just like the like CBN. Those are just the like the up and coming. For example, CBN, although not necessarily proven per se, is really great for sleep. THCV hyperactivity. THCV is known as like the kind of like resets a lot of chronic conditions. There's some evidence to show that some cannabinoids can um, help with MRSA and wound healing. I was actually looking forward to talking to Laura and Stephanie about that. That's something I learned this week, applying like that tincture directly to a wound. There's been some benefits. And it can be proactive too. I mean, someone may not even have a target symptom or a target condition or something that's ailing them and just overall health and overall wellness like the again the endocannabinoid system is the biggest system that regulates everything neuroregulatory in our entire body and so being able to give it what it needs to either you know regulate one way or the other or prevent something maybe not even cure it but just prevent it um there's validity in that too well i think this has been awesome Thank you so much for this lesson and all the information. I think that our residents are going to find this useful and anybody else who listens is definitely going to have a lot of Googling to do. Can we put a disclaimer at the end? Please. Please come talk to us. Don't Again, don't just you know run out there and grab something. Um, you know, we're, we're going to try to put some formal things into place to get, get the, get a process going. Um, but anybody who's just generally curious and wants to chat about it, I'm more than happy to do so. And yeah, we're happy to be here. So thank you. Well, thank you ladies for coming in and for like taking the time to teach us about this. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast. Thank you for listening. 